0: There's something you can look at that somebody created and then look at something very similar that somebody else created and one of them just is better you look at it and you try to pick out what is different about it sometimes you can't do that and, and even to this day like I, I might look at a guitar that I'm like that's fabulous that guitar is is really well built but I can't really go through and be like oh it's because of this or you know they did this really well sometimes you can but all of those minuscule things that don't really matter if you multiply those by a hundred or a thousand you know in the overall project all that stuff has a very strong effect on your psyche you know you look at it, you know I don't why this is so beautiful but it is
1: welcome to meet your makers the show in which we meet the makers and movers the creators and curators the influencers and instigators all within the creative field um, basically anyone from music to photo to film to art to design who's willing to sit down and talk about their process their inspirations their ways to get unstuck their anything really that comes to mind um, this week, I have Chris Barnett, who is a guitar maker, or as fancy people call him, a luthier. Um, he's formerly based in Atlanta, but for the past year and a half has been living with his wife in Berlin. Um, the two of them are so cool. They were, they were so kind and let me crash in their living room for my last few days during my trip to Germany. Um, also, he Chris is a... An incredibly good skater um but more so as a designer his attention to detail when it comes to his craft really is something to behold um anyway we sat down for about an hour you may notice my voice is a bit grungy because the day prior I had basically torn my vocal cord singing I don't want to miss a thing at this giant outdoor karaoke party at Mauer Park um but that's a whole different story in itself for now yeah. um Enjoy this conversation with my friend Chris.
0: No, they're um, photos of themselves. Because, um, well, r- when you think about it, like every every time you see yourself, ninety nine percent of the time it's split. a mirrored image. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's always. Asymmetry in, in your face, like right. eyes are sometimes off or one smaller than the other or ears are different sizes. And then when you see a photo of yourself, it's like a foreign thing. It's stuff yeah. that you probably can't like pick up, um, consciously, but it's like, it's a mirror image. So it just looks weird to you. It doesn't really look like the way you're used to seeing yourself. Yeah. Um, there was a podcast
1: episode. Um, you ever listen to Radio Lab? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. They have one on that, that whole like phenomenon. Really? And in their page, they have a picture of like Abraham Lincoln and they flip it and it looks, it does look off. Yeah. And they've done studies, I don't know how, like if it's proven or not, but um, the way you part your hair Mm -hmm. makes a difference in how people perceive you. Yeah, yeah. For men, to the right is more traditional, has, is like more, seen as more like masculine or whatever. For women, it's to the left. Hmm. Um, So you would look at, they say that examples like Superman or Clark Kent would have his hair to the right and then... A lot of villains would have their hair to the left.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah, it's Which, kinda
1: mine's to the left, so... Mine- Wait, yeah, is yeah. that right? Yeah, yours yeah. is right to the Towards the left, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're—I don't know. Yours is too. I hunker. know, mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I switched mine like a few years ago, and I don't know if like it made any difference in how people like perceive me.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that, did in uh, the radio lab thing? Did they um, talk about what I was saying about the mirror image phenomenon? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and exactly. Yeah, yeah. How it's like. Hmm. Yeah, there was one girl who like had
1: really low self-esteem. I think.
0: She switched her part I mean, and that's all better part of made
1: a difference.
0: Yeah, <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. People are like, You're don't treat like know. an asshole anymore.
1: Yeah, or or like hmm like in the mirror her part is to the left. Or like, so she looked like a certain way uh-huh. to herself, but then her friends perceived her a different way. It's like yeah, more yeah. I don't know, sheltered, less outgoing. Hmm. And then when she swapped it,
0: it yeah, like, yeah, it's like, wow, you're a party poverty,
1: animal, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe not to that degree. Um, so yeah, I've already started recording, just so like, Uh-oh. but cool. <clears throat> um, welcome to Me, Your Makers. I'm. In Berlin on my last day in this amazing city, and I'm sitting with Chris Barnett, whom I had met well, like two weeks ago at mm. a skate park. <laughs> just randomly. Oddly enough. So I, I <laughs> land. Yeah, just, now I'm crashing in, in, in their air mattress, um, and I'm in his shop, or his, next door to his shop, where he makes custom guitars custom handmade handcrafted artisanal yeah all that all, <laughs> that all that, <laughs> fancy, all that stuff. <laughs> fancy stuff guitars one of one of them I, is apparently for like the Mastodon guitar. Yeah. yeah right? two,
0: well, actually, yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, Brent and Bill both have oh, uh, both one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But oh, they have one or they- no, I got uh, it. Yeah. I have to get it finished before, uh, before Christmas. Cause I'm going back to the States and i right. want to be able to bring both of them with me, which okay. may or may not happen. <laughs> oh, you're not sure yet. Well, I mean, I have to, you know, there's so much other stuff to do um, mm-hmm. before, before the holiday season. So I'm going to try to fit it in and, you know, they're not really too, uh, um, they don't really care when they get them that much. Right. I just didn't want to have to ship them over there and you know deliver them in hand. Yeah, so, yeah. Or deliver them by is it, is hand. It, is it a humongous difference if you ship it in terms of like cost? It, it's weird because if you ship uh, a guitar from the U.S. to Europe um, with you know UPS or FedEx, it's like seven or eight hundred dollars. And if I use DHL to ship from Germany back to the United States, it's only about 200 euros, so maybe $250 or something Mm -hmm. like that. And if I do the same here with UPS, it's like a thousand. I don't know why DHL is so inexpensive. I mean, DHL sucks. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Like, (laughs) I just tell the customers because, you know, since I've been here, I've probably shipped, you know, maybe. Probably eight guitars back okay. to the states, and I tell them before I ship it, it's going to fall into a hole. Like it's you're not going to have any tracking information. It's going to look oh, like the what? shipment just it happens on every shipment. Because and I DHL? don't. Yeah, I just think don't, it, they don't have tracking numbers. No, so. they do, but right. I think it's when it is going um, in between. So after it leaves Germany and it's about to go into customs in the U.S. or whatever, I call DHL and they're like, oh, you know, if the tracking number, because it's, it's a long story, but the the um, tracking number changes. So right. when it's in Germany, DHL has a number, and then when it gets to the u s they give it to the United States Postal Service, and it gets a, a new tracking number. Oh. but in between then, it, it just falls through in the cracks purgatory. like there 's no tracking it and everything. <laughs> and it usually happens for about like a week and a half, two weeks, and then you know i 've never had any lost shipments or any damage or anything like that, right. so I just tell the customer, just be prepared don't get worried it, it always happens but yeah dHL the the postal service here is crazy, uh, long story probably. Not <laughs> This, 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 this discussion. <laughs> yeah, we started with the most interesting topic. <laughs> well, they deliver the nervous. mail yeah. here. I don't know if, if if you've seen that yet. So, if you get a package um, that's you know addressed to you, right. if you're not home, they leave it at a random neighbor's what? apartment. Yeah, so you'll get you know a a, a post it or whatever you know in your mailbox, exactly. and you Someone read it. Ass. Yeah, and it'll say blah blah blah, and you just have to go like knock on their door, and you know I haven't had any problems with that, but you can see that there very well could be problems in the future. Oh, I never got that package. Well, yeah, so it's kind of odd. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. To reiterate, Chris Barnett is a.
0: What's the pr- official word for someone who makes guitars? You could call it a guitar builder. The the um, the high class call it a luthier. Luthier, a luthier, luthier if you're French. Luthier,
1: yeah. Because It's <laughs> un uh un luthier. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and that's what you do full time now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sh- Plus inventor, like designer of well, yeah, um, <laughs> clever guitar-related like accessories and devices. Yeah. Um. Patent, right. There's a bunch of patents. His name. Business owner, mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, man, and skater. <laughs> An all-round scumbag. No, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, cool. So, the, usually in these podcasts, like I start with like the same question, which yeah. is, Did you grow up in a creative household?
0: Uh I guess it depends on what you mean creative in kind of an artistic sense not really meaning you know like my parents listened to kind of not very good music in my opinion you know they didn't do any artwork per se, you know, painting, sculpture, stuff like that. My mom has always just been really family oriented and kind of focused on that. But my dad was very creative in far as, as much as he was, um, always in the, um, you know, in the shed, like making stuff and was like, you know, he created a lot of stuff, but not like in an artistic sense, you okay. know, he's a brilliant man. Like he, he taught me a lot about, um, attention to detail and, you know, how to do things and do things correctly. I mean, he's built his own cars from scratch like he builds oh, wow. furniture he just yeah he's kind of a uh, jack of all trades Wait, how does one build a car from scratch he well he had um right now he's working on uh, shit he's gonna kill me if he if he hears this and i get the information wrong <laughs> uh i think it's a 90 he'll be proud of me if i get it right i think it's a 1928 model a that he had since he was 15 years old and since then I think he's rebuilt it I think this is either the third or fourth time that he's completely stripped it down and you know put it back together but this go around he actually there's really almost nothing left from the original car like he built the entire frame like he you know basically discarded the old frame and built a brand new frame, uh, you know, chopped and channeled. These are all terms I've learned from him, Um, you know, and has really done everything. You know, the only thing that was um, left over from the original car is is part of the um, the exterior. All the interior he made completely from scratch. Like he wired everything himself. Did you know all of the um, painting himself? Did all of the engine work himself? I think he built the uh, the transmission. Actually, I might be lying about that. I'd have to check with him. But yeah, I mean it's amazing. You know, yeah. all of it's perfect. I mean, he definitely is a, a perfectionist. So. And he did that as, as a living or he, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. He was, oh, that's funny. I I totally forgot he did this, but yeah, I guess it was a little bit on the artistic side because he was a a professional uh, photographer for a number of years. You know, that was shit. And that's probably up until I was about. 13, I would say. That's what he did for a living. Mostly right. like portraits and weddings and stuff like that. It wasn't, you know, the um, artistic type of, of stuff. But um what was a question? Uh, yeah, if you grew up in a, in yeah, a yeah, creative yeah. household. But yeah. did all this like so you were pretty much like exposed
1: to that process that your dad was that your dad was into?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just exposed me really to a lot of, of different stuff and you know they were very um very engaged in what I did yeah. like I was very um I was very sports minded when I was young played you know pretty much every sport imaginable uh and then started you know getting into uh some woodworking and I was always working with my hands I was like kind of the right. ongoing theme through my childhood you know like with skateboarding you know I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be with my brother and I'd say hey let's go in the uh, go in the garage and build a ramp and so oh, we would cool. just go yeah. steal wood from the local construction site and like come and build like a you know a lodge ramp or like you know something to, to skate on on so that was kind of my my childhood yeah yeah did you um were you ever into like painting or or drawing or anything no anymore? i'm actually music has always been a very strong component in my life but early on i realized i'm not a musician Okay. You know, <laughs> I I still play guitar regularly and play drums and but yeah it, it's not something I'm I'm naturally gifted at but right. I still love doing it you know our session yeah, last, night, last night yeah last night yeah but yeah I mean I still um, do music and still uh, listen to a lot of different types of music in the workshop but as far as like the, the visual arts not really okay you know it's something like photography has always been interest has been an interest of mine but you know I think that comes from um, my dad. But yeah, not right now. And you know, I don't have really have much time to do stuff like that. Um, right. but maybe in the maybe in the future. How did you get into music? Uh, that's a good question. Um metal, actually. Yeah, listening to Metallica and Slayer and Sepultura, Pantera, when I was younger, um, it's like, man, that sounds so awesome, you know, it, it drives me in, in such an awesome way, and so I was like, I want to be able to play like them, so I think at the age of like 11 or something, I, uh, my mom got me my first electric guitar, I think it was for my birthday or for Christmas or something, I don't remember, but then really fell in love with it, was a pretty serious um, student for a while, you know, just you know, self-directed, I didn't really take uh, lessons or anything, but played pretty seriously for a while and then when I started building guitars it it you know the the playing time kind of decreased considerably so I don't really have much time to play play anymore right but did you get into building guitars through music yeah i realized that i guess my natural abilities are more with building and crafting and using my hands more so than playing musical instruments. So it was kind of, you know, a natural progression, you know, like I really loved guitars and really loved music. And I also loved working with my hands and stuff like that so it was just kind of a matter of time until the two came together you you never got into like composing or writing no god no i can't yeah my mind doesn't work like that unfortunately yeah it'd be great i would love to be an artist like that lifestyle of you know making art for a living is fascinating um but yeah it just doesn't work out for me so well so you you lean more towards like the technical side yeah for sure yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a beauty, you know, in, and what I do is it's, you know, up until now I've built, uh, roughly a hundred guitars and each one of them has flaws in it, you know? So it's kind of the constant pursuit of perfection and paying attention to those details and paying attention to, um, you know, the, the, the finer side of woodworking. And then there's also the sound and, you know, so it's, yeah, it's very much on the, um, on the, the detail side. Do you remember? Um, do you remember building your first guitar? I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was kind of stupid. I I wasn't um, taught how to do anything. And in fact, I didn't even have any real woodworking experience, you know, building ramps and stuff like that. That wasn't something your dad taught you? No, 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 no. No, He was more, you know, like into metal fabrication. And I mean, I guess he did some stuff with wood. But yeah, most of the stuff he did was um, with with metal and with engines and, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, the woodworking, I mean, as far as fine woodworking, I'll say that yeah it was all um self-taught so the first guitar i built it's actually still at my parents house it's awful i mean it it's absolutely awful you play it today you can't play it yeah it doesn't it doesn't even work it doesn't even like function as a guitar at this point um but yeah you know so it it started off as a catastrophe and then i guess as time went on it got less uh catastrophic and so now it's to the point you know that the guitars are turning out much better it doesn't you know it doesn't look like uh, quite the mess that they once did but um yeah it's 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 it was challenging um getting into it the first guitar I built um was in my bedroom actually oh, yeah. like I lived in a an apartment complex and I had a, a roommate and there were neighbors above below us and on both sides and I went to a um a short presentation that one of the local guitar builders was giving. And I was like, Oh, you know, that doesn't look that hard. So I went out and spent a couple hundred dollars on a couple of machines, bought a hand plane, you know, bought some of yeah. the, the basic woodworking stuff. And I converted my bedroom into a woodworking shop and I slept in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> so literally like my entire room, there was no bed in there. There yeah. wasn't anything in there. It was just, you know, all the woodworking equipment. Um, and I think I built two, two or three guitars there. And then um, at that point, I actually moved. In. Um, I moved into like a, a self-storage area. Okay. You know, it was like a—I don't remember how many. Wait, that's s- where you slept? No, no, no. That's okay. where my next shop was. After okay. we got, I was told that I had to stop woodworking oh, in my, in my like, apartment. By, by your neighbors? Um, yeah, the landlord, I guess. You, you know, said it was, yeah, said it wasn't really all that cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I rented a um, a self-storage thing. You know, and they had um, just one outlet. And so okay. like, I, no, actually it wasn't even an outlet. It was, um, it was just a, um, a, a light fixture. And right. so I took the light out and I put, um, you know, like something that would turn the light read into, into, into and yeah. And so I ran all of my power for all the tools out Remember, of, yeah, you know, the, yeah, the, right. the light socket or whatever. And that was enough though. Yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> yeah. I blew <laughs> the, the fuse a couple of times, but um, yeah, I built like two, two or three guitars there and then I ended up buying a house and moved the shop. So it's kind of been all over. It's been a very interesting experience. When did this all start? Uh, I think 2004, so 12 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was a therapist. I was doing mental health. uh, I think it was probably for the first eight, probably 10 guitars that I built. Um, I was only doing it part time. You know, I had a full time job working at a mental health. uh, Well, it was a juvenile delinquent facility. I was the therapist there, right. and then I realized um, I can't do that anymore. Just it was it, it was very challenging to say to say the least. So I told myself if I ever had a, a year waiting list, you know, for the guitars or whatever, that I would True. quit my yeah. job, and it would give me at least a year buffer. You know, if shit hit the fan, and you know, I realized I wasn't able to pay bills or whatever, I would at least have you know six months or whatever to be able to find another real right. job, quote unquote. Yeah, um, And then since then, you know, I haven't had to, to look back, thankfully, you know, ever since I, I, I quit, you know, it hasn't been easy. You know, luthiers don't really make a whole lot of money usually. So it's been a struggle, but I mean, I wouldn't change anything for the world. You yeah. know, It's allowed me to travel a lot, meet a lot of really interesting people and just really focus on something that I absolutely love. You know, it presents a lot of challenges which i like and it's always you know you can't get anything perfect you yeah. know even though you strive for it so i really enjoy that um how many guitars did it take you
1: to get to somewhere that wasn't horrible
0: uh yeah, i don't know it's yeah i don't know it's you know if if, if you ask me that in in, in the process, you know, I'd be like, oh, I think the, this 10th guitar that I built is pretty good, and then yeah. on the 20th, but you know, looking back on it, I don't know, it's hard to say, you know, because even you know, probably 15 or tw- yeah, probably fifteen twenty 20 guitars ago, you know, I'd probably look at those and be like, uh you know, and right, now, yeah, I mean now, you know, the past probably 15 guitars that I've built, you know, I'm, 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 satisfied with, but you know, who knows what happens in the next like five years, I might look and at these look guitars and be like, uh, uh yeah. yeah, you know, but I feel pretty confident, you know, it's, it, there's, you know, to, to really make it as a guitar builder, I guess, anything, even in fine arts, you always have to have a mirror in front of you, right. you know, and take it to the best people in the world and say, Hey, tear this apart for me, you know, dissect this, tell me what is wrong. Me what I need to do better. Right. And it sucks. I mean you hear a lot of stuff, especially when you're really proud of something and they're like, uh, oh, you know, it's it's not really that amazing. You know, you need yeah. to do this. But, you know, it's been really helpful, and it's a constant um, a constant process of refinement. But, yeah, just constantly having that mirror there. But I, I say all that to say that now, um, you know, I've compared my guitars to, you know, the best in the world at all these different exhibits and okay. conferences and stuff like that. And, you know, not to sound arrogant, but they, you know, they they hold, they, up. They hold up, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and usually, you know, the feedback from customers and the feedback from people at these things, you know, they get pretty favorable results. So. Yeah. Yeah, so probably 10, 15 guitars uh, I'd I'd say I'm I'm okay with. (laughs) Did you sell those, those first 10, 15 guitars? Uh, Yeah. So the first guitar, like I said, is, is still at my parents' yeah. house, and then uh, I think from the second guitar on, which is in retrospect not something I would recommend to the budding <laughs> luthier, yeah. um, luckily, well, so what I did is I, I built my first guitar. I'm like, okay, it was playable at that time, and so I was like, okay, you know, the second one that I built, it's like I'm going to make an ad on eBay, and I sold okay. it for nothing. I think I actually spent more on materials than mm-hmm. I did what you I made, made and, it, Yeah. yeah um and you know on this um ebay ad i put um you know like this is a guitar there's flaws you know i was very upfront with i mean they could see the photos they knew it was flawed but you know sold it for really inexpensive but on the ad i put um you know i'm I'm willing to build custom instruments for people for just the cost of materials you don't have to pay me for any labor you know we can do whatever you want aesthetically we can build with whatever woods just pay me for the materials and i'll build it i'm just trying to you know get experience doing this and I think I got, like, three or four orders that way. Oh, that was, and then, that was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And then they, you know, the people got the guitars, and, you know, they were happy with them, and they recommended it to friends. And then it just kind of kept building. And then, yeah. you know, lo and behold, I ended up having, you know, a couple of years of a, a wait list. And yeah. then, you know, the rest is history. So, But you say you wouldn't recommend this. Well, no, I mean— it, <laughs> I guess if you were went to a school for lutherie or if you were you know if you did an apprenticeship or whatever with somebody and the first guitar that you built on your own wasn't your first woodworking project um if you had experience before that doing repairs or something you might be able to get buy with it but you know right. things can come back and, and bite you in the ass you know so you know 15 20 years down the line somebody might be like yeah you know this is the fifth guitar and you know spread all over the internet you know that it broke or you know it doesn't play right or right. you know something like that so it, it would if i were to go and do that again i mean it worked out well for me like luckily that, that hasn't happen. yeah okay. um but you I, you could obviously foresee something bad happening yeah. if you're putting something that isn't good into the marketplace, right. you know, so and you're like I, confident enough to like put that out. Well, at that point, yeah, <laughs> because I didn't know anything. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And it, like I said, I mean, now I, I definitely wouldn't take that route. It's way too risky, but you know, it, honestly at that point, like I had no ambition to be a, uh, a professional guitar builder. I just did it because I wanted to build. It was fun. It was exciting. Yeah. It was something new for me. And it was funny, um, George Petch had uh, Maple Street Guitars, which is a really nice uh, high-end guitar shop in Atlanta. He's been my mentor for a while, mentor for a while. Um, always giving me input about the guitars and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think you know I ever since the the very first guitar like I would bring every guitar to him and he okay. would he would he would give me You know very good feedback, you know, sometimes humbling but good feedback nonetheless <laughs> You know, and I think it was like on the fifth uh, instrument. He was like, you know, if you're you're if you're gonna be um, Competitive in doing this, you know, you need to do this with the binding or blah 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 And I was thinking to myself competitive like what? N- no, like I have no energy to do this full right. time or, you know, like it wasn't even on the radar at that point. But, you know, subsequent to that, you know, things have worked out, I guess. What What are some of the pieces of advice that have like stuck to you? Well, it's funny, um, specifically with guitar building. And I might be making this up, I'm not sure. But I think every piece of advice that people have given me. You know, just things that they see as being off with the finish or, you know, asymmetry with something or tear out on one of the edges or, you know, even where the the, um, string slots are, those being uneven or not being sanded on the inside. Every time I'm building a guitar, I can remember almost in every process now the fretting who told me it when they told me it and how it was presented to me as being a problem. Yeah. It's oh, it's always with me when I'm building a guitar. And that's how, you know, the guitars have constantly gotten better is because like I remember uh for example, like a German luthier, nobody would really know his name, you know, but he looked at my slots and he was like, Yeah, you need to get into the corner more. It's a little bit rounded, you need to have that okay. perfectly and every time I'm working on a guitar now, like that's in the back of my head, like, okay, make sure the slot is at a perfect ninety degree angle. Yeah. You know. Um, you I know you said like you always ask people like what they
1: don't like mm-hmm. in their guitars like, and I, I think that's kind of cool that you would like you know be I guess brave enough mm-hmm. vulnerable enough to like ask that question cuz most people would be kind of like guarded mm-hmm. um how, since when did you start? Then, like, what
0: gave you from that the idea? very beginning? Okay. Yeah, well, you know, and I guess that's part of you know my personality. Like, we, we you and I were talking personally about this the other night or last night, whenever it was, yeah. about just um, ideas of, of failure you know, and when somebody does something, you know, and if it doesn't work out quite how they planned or if it doesn't work at, at all, I guess some people have a personality where they're like, oh, you know, it failed or something like that. Whereas I just, I really don't have that mentality. You know, I, mean, I just look at it. It's like, okay, that didn't work. Move on, you know? And okay. in the beginning, like I said, I didn't have any ambitions to be a professional. You know, I knew I was a student. I knew I had no idea what I was doing. So hearing feedback wasn't any kind of, you know, blow to my ego. I had no ego, you know, right. and Hopefully now I still don't have an ego, you know, people can come and, you know, say, Hey, like, I don't like this about it. And it's like, I am a lifelong student, you know, like that's part of the process. If you don't hear this stuff, if you don't welcome it, you know, cause some people, I guess, um, and, and, you know, whether it's players or other builders or, you know, shops that are selling the guitars, most of those people know that when they are appraising a guitar, if the, the, the guitar builder sits down with them and they're like, yeah, like, please tell me what you think you know, they're usually very honest about it. Right. And, and most people, out, even outside of that little uh, group of people, are usually pretty honest about it. But if you don't ask for it, you know, I think in people's minds are like, yeah, this guy spent, you know, how many weeks building this? And, you know, yeah. and I can't just, you know, if I, if I say I don't absolutely love it, it might destroy his ego. So a lot of times if you don't ask for it, you won't get the in-depth feedback, the helpful feedback I think that you need to continually move forward. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, like asking for it, even now, you know, like I know you heard, yeah, you were in here the other day when yeah, that yeah, customer was, was in um, here and it's like, yeah, what do you not like about the sound? Like, tell me. And he told right, me. And he said yeah. that when it goes up to the string. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's plastic. like, okay, you know, Plastic-y. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was a new spruce guitar and that's what I was telling him, you know, like over time it'll develop and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's the stuff I need to hear, you know, and right. you have to be, I guess, somewhat conscientious when taking this information in because it. it it's so funny. You'll have one guitar and you'll take it to a player and they're like, oh, you know, like I wish the sustain, you know, was was um, a little bit better. And then literally you take the same guitar, give it to another player. And they're like, I love the sustain. Yeah. Like, I've never heard a guitar sustain so well. So you really have to kind of look more for patterns. Well, I think I, I look for more of um, patterns of, of things that people say rather than taking, right. you know, the advice. There are some people, you know, that I trust a lot and whatever they say, it's kind of like, OK, like I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. But by and large, you can't please everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Or has when you ask that question, has there ever been someone
1: who like made a comment that like kind of hurt or? Not really. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think people are, you know, again, conscientious when they're giving the feedback. They can be very honest. And, you know, I think most people have delivered it in a way that, you know, was very straightforward. I don't think that they were pulling punches. or not saying exactly what they thought, but, you know, they they present it in a very – very easy to take manner you know it's not aggressive it's not demeaning you know it's just like what what did my uh what did my um advisor always say it was a growing edge you know it's it's never advice it's never any kind of criticism it's a growing edge so that's usually the way that the, the critiques were presented. So you is, don't get, like,
1: nasty reviews?
0: No. no not, not that I know of. I mean, it might be <laughs> something out in the Internet world that says differently, but, yeah, not, not too much. Yeah, but then when, you, when people say something about, like, your craft, that how, do you,
1: how, are you, how are you able to take that and separate, like, all the work that you put in?
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's, you know, no guitar that I, I built, like I'm completely happy with, you okay. know, like there's, there's stuff, you know, in, and more so as I get better at building and I continue on this, this path of, of guitar building, um, there's stuff right now, the guitar that I'm, I'm finishing, you know, I could show you the imperfections in it, you know, n- probably 99% of people while, you're building uh, it. while I'm building it or even afterwards, I could, you know, show you stuff and you'd have to look at it in a certain light or, you know, know even what it is that you would, that you're looking for for. Um, but yeah I mean every guitar is flawed I mean even with the best builders in the world so it's just a matter of you know bearing with that moving forward and Just always knowing that you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be getting better. And um, I separate myself a little bit, you know, from who I am as a person and what I do for a living, you know? So it doesn't, it's not an attack on me. It's not me necessarily doing something wrong. It's just something that didn't go perfectly well with the instrument. And next time I have it in my head to pay attention to this a little bit more, you know?
1: But is it not frustrating that like that, that satisfaction is sort of like fleeting?
0: No, you know, and, and we were talking, again, you yeah, and I have yeah. had long conversations about some of this stuff. You know, people always ask me if um, if I, I, I am sad when a guitar gets sent away because I spent so much time right. on it and, you know, all that. And I, I personally don't. I don't know how other guitar builders feel, but I spent my time with it. I've had my quality time with it. And once I'm finished with it. That's that's fine. They can go right. to the customer, and you know, if if I never see it again, I'm totally fine with that. Um, does that answer your question? No, but what I mean is like
1: when you say you're never completely happy with a guitar. Oh, oh, oh I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, because the, the the enjoyment it's you know it's it's more in the process for me than it is you know it's 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 wonderful stringing the guitar up and having something that you're you're proud of even though you see the flaws and you know everything with the the final the final product but yeah the enjoyment is definitely you know in 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 the process you know right. and kind of almost like looking forward like it's exciting thinking about becoming better you know or getting better at what i do and for me the process and then kind of looking forward to the future is the most rewarding thing, you know, how this particular guitar turns out, you know, right. it's, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that, that part's not really, um, you know, the final product isn't really, you know, the, the end all be all as far as where the satisfaction is. There's so many other yeah. things, you know, but in, within that process itself, like, are there parts that you like enjoy more than others? Oh yeah, parts for that sure. They, like, you find so tedious that you don't. For sure. To? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, the the finishing process and you know it changes over time because sometimes you learn new methods for doing stuff or you find different materials. Um finishing used to be hell for me. I used to hate doing that because it has to be perfect and you you're working with this this almost final product and if you don't get the finish 100% right, you know, it's it's usually pretty obvious, you know, and people will judge everything else with the guitar based on this one kind of small aspect of, of the final product. Um, but yeah, so it, it changes quite a bit. There are things, and it, 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 a lot of it depends on my mood, you okay. know, like sometimes I, I wake up and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling very detail oriented and I want to spend all day chiseling something, you know, and you know, if, if luck is with me, um, there's a project waiting for me in the shop that I can do that. Um, And sometimes it's like, I just want to, you know, do a hundred of this one thing, you know, and just do like, you know, kind of a a factory type thing, you know, making bridges or something like that. So I'll go ahead and just make a bunch of, um, of similar parts, you know, so luckily there's enough variation in the the parts of the guitar that however my mood is when I wake up, there's usually something I can do that will fit with that mood. Sometimes not like kind of towards the end of the guitar. It's like, if I don't feel like doing finishing, I don't really have any other option. You know, the bridge is already done. Everything is already built. It's like I have to do that, but by and large, there's always, you know, something that I can get or get around and, you know, enjoy doing for that day. Right. Um, so
1: do you ever have days where you just like, you just don't feel like working on the guitar? Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Like, um, do you
1: put it off or do you force no, yourself? No,
0: uh, it depends. I'm, I'm a bit of a, well, I mean, I'm a workaholic, um, but I, you know, I think it, it, stems from the fact that like, I, I love what I do, yeah. you know, like I don't think I would work quite as much if I was doing something I didn't love or enjoy as much as I do. Um, but yeah, I'm getting better at it for a while, you know, I was coming in seven days a week and, you know, working a lot, which, you know, wore me down. I didn't really realize that it did wear me down. Um, but now I'm able to take weekends off and I'm kind of growing as a person and as a husband and as a person in the world that it's like, there's a lot more stuff to work or there's a lot more stuff in the world rather than just like working all the time. And so, I'm able to focus on that a little bit more and take time off and go on vacation and, you know, not come in on the weekend. That's a new thing for me. Okay. Um, But yeah, so if if there's something that needs to be done, um, usually I can put it off until after the weekend. But, you know, during the week, if I don't feel like going in, like I I make myself get up and go into work and try to keep um, some semblance of a a schedule.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You have a, you have a pretty solid work ethic. Where did you, where do you think you got that?
0: Uh, just upbringing, I think, you know, I think some of it's probably biological or, you know, something in my genes maybe, but yeah, my parents were always very hardworking and, um, that's where I got the, uh, the workaholic thing was, you know, they were very much into their work and always pushed like a very strong work ethic on us. You know, if you're going to do something, do it right. You know, don't compromise, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the perfectionist thing is, is good. It's great, you know, for what I'm doing, the guitar building, but, again, it's probably not the best thing in the world because, again, like what we were talking about earlier, you always see the flaws. You know, right. you can't just focus. People are like, what are you talking about? This guitar is like wonderful. It's like, well, yeah, it's good, but did you see this? And they're like, who cares? <laughs> I, you know? um, and so with that, it's, it's really hard for me to be really satisfied with anything that I do. And I right. always, it doesn't really bother me. I'm getting better at accepting you know the flaws and kind of moving forward from that. But, um, yeah, it's it, perfectionism is an interesting thing for me at this point. And I think part of my growth as a person is recognizing my perfectionist tendencies and working with that so that it becomes helpful and not hurtful, which I know sounds okay. kind of weird, but yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. part of my, my personal growth at this moment. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, but then at the same time that, that drive, that perfectionism, that, that like eye for details that the people don't even notice that that's what like has brought your, the quality of your work this much further Mm. you know um but then when people say that like oh i didn't notice i don't really care no one really cares how do you like um how do you sort of like block that out it's like yeah it does matter
0: you know it's interesting that that you say that um you know just the perfectionist thing i I look at the flaws and blah 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 but it is really interesting though um and i I recognize this probably like three or four years ago there there were some guitars or violins or really anything just you know and just from art or you know just being right. in this world there's something you can look at that somebody created and then look at something very similar that somebody else created and one of them just is better you know it looks better it smells better it, sounds better you know whatever these these adjectives are but you look at it and you try to pick out what is different about it and sometimes you can't do that and and even to this day like I, I might look at a guitar that I'm like that's fabulous that guitar is is really well built but I can't really go through and be like oh it's because of this or you know they did this really well sometimes you can but all of those minuscule things that don't really matter if you multiply those by 100 or 1000 you know in the overall project all that stuff has a very strong effect on your psyche you know you look at it and you don't know I don't know why this is so beautiful but it is you know it's right. those little details that nobody can really individually pick out add up to something that has a very strong impression on people i think does um does this perfectionism leak into
1: like how you see other instruments too. Oh, really, for like, sure. So you are yeah. would you say you're pretty critical of other people's guitars? Yeah,
0: for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah and I, I'm 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 positive that other people are critical of this the stuff I do. Yeah. I mean it just comes with it, you know. I mean it's like, you know, anybody. They'll try to dissect and you know grow also, you know, from what they see other people creating and get ideas and have an, an open dialogue. Oh, you know, like you do this better than I do. How what what process do you use or what tool do you use, you know, to get this in, in such a way. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, with, with I would venture to say, most um, occupations, you know, you always are comparing yourself to like minded people or people that are doing similar things in the field. So. Interesting that you say that just because, like, a few minutes ago you were
1: talking about how your mentor suggested how you compete, and you were like, no, I'm not competitive. That's Mm -hmm. not even. Yeah. In my plan,
0: so. Yeah. Well, I don't think for me, it, it's not, I guess it could be maybe looked at as being competitive, but it's not necessarily that I ever, well, I mean, obviously, you know, just for money. And so I guarantee that I have a job, want to be better than people. It's just for my own satisfaction. Okay. You know, like looking at something and be like, oh, they did that really well. I want to be able to do that really well too. I don't necessarily want to be, you know, better than them or, you know, think that I'm better than them. It's just like, wow, like I'd really like to be able to have that type of precision in what I do, you know what yeah. I mean? So the competition, maybe, maybe not, but it's more of just, again, the, the personal growth and the, um, professional growth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, on average, how, how much time do you spend
1: in a day, like in your shop?
0: Uh, now I'm trying to keep it at eight hours, um, you know, five days a week. And then occasionally, you know, if we're running low on funds or something like that, you know, I'll need to come in maybe on a weekday and things like that. But I mean, before, you know, I was spending 50, 60, yeah, usually probably 55, 60 hours in the workshop. Okay so, yeah I'd be working you know 10 hour shifts you know through the week and then come in a couple hours on the on the weekends and just pretty much constantly working but and again just like it just flies <laughs> Sometimes yeah yeah, yeah yeah sometimes it does again depending on if I find something that I can do that suits the mood I'm in for that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, not having a boss is wonderful. Um, the, my customers, um, up until now, each one of them, um, some a little more challenging than others, you know, as far as what they're expecting out of the instrument, especially earlier on. But my customers have been absolutely wonderful, um, for the most part, really, really easy to work with. So, That's satisfying. Um, Yeah, being in the shop is always not a joy necessarily because sometimes things go wrong and stuff like that. But I work at my own pace. If I want to take a half an hour off or if I want to take an hour to go down to the street and grab something to eat, you know, I can do that at any time that I want. Um, And so, you know, being in the shop can be whatever I want it to be. You know, it's not just me always in here getting sawdust and cutting stuff and chiseling and stuff like that. You know, sometimes I'll just hang out for 20 minutes and look at Facebook, okay. um, you know, yeah. so and there's nobody over me saying I can't do that. But at the same point, you know, the, the, the work ethic, you know, what you're making yourself do and staying on schedule and. Waking up, you know, early in the morning to be able to get to work at the time that you have scheduled for yourself is much harder than somebody else telling you that you have to be here at a certain time. If right. not, you lose your job. This, I wouldn't necessarily lose my job, but that kind of discipline is absolutely essential. And right. you see a lot of people go astray because they're unable to do that. So that's what I'm finding right now is the balance of being, you know, a workaholic, but also not letting my schedule slip to the fact to, to the point where, um... You know, I'm not doing what it is that I'm supposed right. to, and there is a beautiful balance in that. and I'm kind of figuring out what that that balance is now. So
1: yeah, even as your own boss, you're still able to maintain some sense of like structure.
0: Mm. It seems. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think anybody that's um, self-employed or you know, kind of doing freelance stuff, you know, I think that's part. Maybe not. I don't know. This might be not true, but it seems like that might be kind of an inborn thing. Is you know, being able to have self-discipline and going in that. Cause I don't think you'd really choose to go out on your own if you had a, a better than average chance that you wouldn't be able to make it because you're disorganized or you're not right. disciplined or something like that. I think people go into um, their their own work knowing that they can probably make it work, you know, right. some more than others. But does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Do you have any like tricks or hacks like to maintain that discipline? Uh, my wife is helpful? <laughs> um, not really. Yeah, it hasn't really. I mean, you know, part of it, too, is I love what I do. So you know, coming into the, the workshop is never, not never, but it's usually not an issue. You know, I, I like doing it even if it's on the weekends. Sometimes it's a little bit inconvenient, you know, if, if there's a, um, you know some kind of festival going on in the weekend. Like this weekend, for example, right. I was in the shop Saturday and Sunday because there's a big festival coming up, and I have to be in the shop seven days a week for eight to 10 hours a day in order for me to get this guitar finished in time for this festival so that sucks i would have loved to hang out with you this weekend and (laughs) do a bunch of other stuff but i was in the shop wasn't bad you know had a nice time in the shop but you know it wasn't the weekend that i would have liked to have have, to have had Uh, yeah um but yeah i mean it's you know the the discipline is there just because i i don't mind it
1: yeah um, you ever read about like the whole um what do they call like state of flow No Like that's a thing uh, That um, Scientists or whatever Have like Talked about When it comes to like Athletes and musicians
0: Oh yeah I think I know What you're talking about Yeah
1: yeah yeah When they're like Good enough There's like a balance In which They're still stimulated They're still learning But there's also like They're good enough That it's Almost playful Mm -hmm. And then you get In a sense of A state of flow Where like You sort of just like Ignore everything else And then like Time sort of like melts away. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I experience that less, I think, with guitar building than other things. Like we were talking about music okay. and stuff like that. Like that happens pretty. Oh. Oh, good. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, hey. Oh, I'm All good. Uh, yeah, we can hello, go in the other. Yeah, yeah, we can switch. Hi, hello. Hi, this, you is go. this is are <laughs> we <were> just talking. <laughs> Funny.
1: Yeah, I was like, yeah, we can go in here. They haven't been in here in, in a long time. Around this point, unexpectedly, the door swung open and the lovely owners of the studio we were in um sort of walked in with their frisky little dog Lupe. Um so we took a break for about half an hour, um turned off the um, turned off the recording and and just talked with these furniture designers. They're actually really cool. Um they are part of the whole, like, reclaimed, recycled um, furniture movement. Um, one of the things they did was they cut a bathtub in half and took one half and put legs on it and cushions and, I think, a leather back, um, basically turned it into a chair. Um, really fascinating couple, or not couple, uh, fascinating working team. Um, and I would have loved to sit down with them, too, at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we Chris and I did get back, we back. into it after, after they had gone. I, don't know, I guess it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Um, I was gonna get to. We were ta- last night. We were talking about how you were, you were going for your PhD.
0: Yeah, I yeah, you know, applied. Had, and, like, psychology yeah, yeah. background. Yeah, tell me about
1: like that journey. Like what? What your original course of your yeah.
0: was. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, well, I ended up getting my master's degree in counseling and I was, um, doing therapy at a, uh, it was in center city Atlanta. It was called Metro Regional Youth Detention Center. It was, uh, uh, basically a jail for anybody that was 17 years of age or younger. And since it was in Metro Atlanta, there was all kinds of characters in there. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just horrible stories. You know, being part of the the mental health team, you know, you'd sit down with these 17-year-old kids or 14 or 12-year-old kids that have murdered, that have raped, home invasion, just anything. All different kinds of mental disorders, schizophrenia, multi-personality disorder, all these different. And I'd worked there for a number of years and then I just couldn't do it anymore. And during that process, I, I was going to, um, I wanted to go get a PhD, you know, maybe do like research or do, you know, something else with more of the, I guess, a hands-off approach, right. you know? Why, why couldn't you do it anymore? Uh, um, it's just, I started getting, um, a little bit pessimistic, I guess, on humanity. Right. Um, yeah, it's it was it was overwhelming a lot of the times just hearing the stories and hearing you know as you know in in therapy you know that's that's you know the point is to sit down and get the the foundation of people if you will you know and you're talking about you know criminals you know not right. not saying that they have like you know um like something in their biology that's criminal or something like that but you know they They have a certain way of looking at life and because of, you know, maybe life circumstances or because of, you know, whatever these issues are, you talk with them, you get to a certain level, you know, you think you're making a lot of progress, you know, that they are controlling their anger a little bit better or they're, you know, doing this or doing that. And then. They leave and then they come back you know, a couple weeks later and they have um, even worse charges than they originally did. And it's like, you know, like we talked about this, you know, I thought like, oh, yeah, yeah, like I understand and we're doing well. Um, you know, the next time I get out, it's going to be different. And then they come back in. So it was really just a revolving door. And uh, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the human condition. I think I learned a lot about where these kids are coming from the households that they grew up in the areas that they grew up in, like the way that their parents raised them. um, Poverty was a big issue. Um, And a lot about just the mentality of somebody that is locked up because there was this one girl that I was working with and um, she was on my caseload, so I would meet with her uh, usually two or three times a week. You know, and I asked her at one point. I, I said, "You know, why do you why do you keep coming in here? You know, this doesn't seem like you're just getting caught for stuff. It seems that you're purposefully trying to get caught to come back in here." She's like, "I know what to expect when I'm in here. I know I'm guaranteed that I'm going to have three meals. I know that I'm going to have a safe place to stay. I know that I'm not going to be abused, for the most part, and although that does happen occasionally." But it was something that just wasn't offered to her at home, or which home, which didn't really exist to her necessarily. She was homeless for a while, and um, but yeah. So it, it just learning, you know. But but it got to the point where. I, I, the reason I went into that was because I wanted to make a difference, you know, like I wanted to help people and then constantly seeing them coming back in because they have structure here. They can do well with structure. If people are making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and then they go home, you know, to alcohol parents or drug addicted parents or, you know, not having a home at all or, you know, whatever these circumstances are. And then everything that you have worked with them on is now out the door. You know, and I just felt like I was spinning my tires and the stories, the abuse, like it just, it's too much. It's, you know, I think yeah. it's really, and probably I wasn't balancing life well at that point either. You know, maybe, I don't know. It was just, it wasn't healthy for me anymore. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I, I take a lot of good things away from that experience, but I could tell it was changing me as a person and not necessarily for the better. Yeah. So
1: so you just walk, walked away from that and then you went into uh look for
0: a PhD? Yeah, yeah. It was around the you know, that 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 same time that I was looking to get into doing the PhD and you know I did well in school and I applied um, to the, the program um, at Georgia State University and um, it, it's, it's kind of a long story, but um, I, I thought I had everything that I needed. And I went in to talk to my advisor, and he didn't have anything, any of my information from He's a very organized person, and and you know, I said, you know, I just wanted to talk about my application. You know, with, was it my essay, where the GRE scores? He's like, honestly, I don't know. He's like, I have no idea. He's like, I forgot we had this meeting. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you could do. It sounds like you had everything lined up to get in here. Um, he recognized me because I was actually in his class and did well in his class. He was like, I don't know. And then as soon as I walked out of there, I made up my mind. I was like, I'm not going to school. Like, I'm, I'm not reapplying. I'm not applying to any more schools. I'm, I'm just not going yeah. to do this. And then, yeah, it was one of the best things that ever happened in my life. You know, if I would have gotten accepted, if I would have not taken fate for what it is. And like we were talking about the other night, if I wouldn't have challenged or if I would have challenged what was kind of being forced upon me, like I probably would have gotten into school or would have went and got my PhD and my life would be 100 percent different now. Right. You know, that
1: was something you felt like you would need to force.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, because it was, it was pretty clear, you know, it was, uh, maybe serendipity, who knows, but this fact that this very organized person, you know, that nobody gets above a, a C in his class, you know, when I got an A in his class and he comes to this meeting, you know, completely unprepared, it was, it's not in his character. I mean, he's very anal retentive and, you know, after all of the money and all the hours I spent studying and doing research and all this other stuff, you know, leaving that behind was a little bit of a sting you right. know but at that point in time for some reason it just clicked it's like this isn't this isn't right for you i don't know why i don't know what's going to happen in the future you know like in building guitars i had you know, no idea that that was going to work out you know i had really no clue what the future was going to bring but at that point in time that meeting really strongly Indicated to me that this this is the wrong path for you and it is it was you know much I think I'm much happier now um, You know working for myself and I don't know getting in the rat race of tenure and all this stuff as a researcher Working at a university for something that I kind of liked, you know, obviously not obviously, but it wasn't a passion of mine it wasn't Something that I would wake up excited each and every day to go experience, you know, it's so yeah
1: But with making guitars like you do you do wake up excited yeah
0: later. yeah most days yeah 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 it's i mean it's it's getting to the point now where you know it's more predictable the results and stuff like that so I'm probably not as excited as I used to be you know cuz i would change something with the design and you know i'd be like oh what's this going to do but i've been building right. kind of the same guitar now for probably 2 years you know so it's it's kind of more not a science necessarily but you know i know what to expect so that type of excitement isn't there as much as it used to be. But yeah, I love what I do. You know, I mean, yeah. and that, that, I listened to a, a Steve Jobs interview um, from years ago, you know, and they were asking him, you know, advice or, you know, like what he would say for somebody that wants to start his, their, their own business or go into, you know, uh, working for themselves. And he said, you know, it's if you are not absolutely passionate about what you're doing, he's like, you will not make it. He was like, most people look at what I do, the hours that I work and the things that I have put up with as being absolutely insane. And he's like, it doesn't have to do with me being brilliant. It doesn't have to do with anything other than me absolutely loving what I do and waking up excited to go do what I do. Because if I didn't absolutely love it and didn't have passion, I I would have quit years ago. Right. You know, and it's true. It's true for me. I mean, we don't, I don't make any money. I work really long hours. There's a lot of um, struggle, if you will, you know, with the level of, of detail and and the the quality that people expect out of the guitars it is stressful dealing with customers making sure that stuff doesn't get shipped or you know doesn't get broken um during shipment there's you know and then uh, also with the the other you know business yeah. you know with the guitar supports or whatever um yeah so it is you know if i didn't love it you know, I, would, I would not be doing it you know i wouldn't be able to <laughs> it would be impossible
1: right right and so do you ever look back at, at that time as a therapist and wonder like what, you know, um, how do you say that? Cause you got into it because you wanted to make a difference mm-hmm. and everything, but do you ever sort of like look back at that and wish you could still continue that?
0: Uh, the therapy, I, I think I could still do. Honestly, I think I could still sit down with people just not in, in that context, you right. know, being, cause I was, I was literally in jail for, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week. You know, I had to be buzzed in and out. Every time I went in through a door, I had to have a special set of keys. I got, had to go through metal detectors and get frisked. Like, you know, that stuff weighs on you, um, on your, your mental health and your emotional health, I would imagine. Um, but I mean, as far as looking back on that aspect, like I don't have any urge to go back to it. I don't look back on it necessarily with fondness. I'm grateful for what I've learned through that experience, but yeah, just my, my, my mentality in general, I, I typically don't look back with regret just really in anything, you know, I guess it gets back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, just kind of looking at mistakes or looking at things that you've done and just being like, okay, that was an experience I've learned from and I've grown as a person, you know, and just moving forward from that and not looking back, you know, reflecting on it's wonderful every, every once in a while, but you know, never, not never, but most of the time, not in a way that I'm like, oh man, like I should have stayed with that or I should have done yeah. something different and letting that haunt me. It's just really not in my makeup. I don't think.
1: Yeah. But with like, with like therapy, there's like this clear picture or idea that You're in there making a difference. You have this like purpose of making the world better. You know, at least from from a certain perspective. Mm. How does that translate into um, what you do now? Like, where do you where do you gather your sense of like fulfillment or meaning?
0: Uh, I think again, it's in 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 the process. You know and that 's that 's one thing like i'm i 'm starting to realize is you know i guess in, in in my younger years when I was i guess less mature, which I guess is debatable <laughs> um, but you know like i I used to look at things i guess with therapy being one of them as you know you have to make grand gestures, you know you have to right. do these really important things and you know, getting older and, you know, going through these experiences, you know, like I, I realized just being a good person, being honest, um, being a good husband, being a good friend, being a good son, you know, at one point being a good father. You know, that to me is enough. You know, you touch so many people in that way. You can influence so many people in that way. You can, you know, if somebody needs a place to stay, you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, giving people people that are close to you or even, you know, people that you meet along this this journey, you can touch people really, I think, dramatically in really small ways, you know? And so this idea of, like, me saving the world, in quotes, you know, doing therapy and, you know, hitting this really, really hard target group of people, you know, juvenile delinquents, I mean, I look back and I think it was kind of a silly goal almost. You know, it was, I guess, maybe self-righteous or it was self-important. I'm not really sure, but, yeah, I think my... Goals now are are quite different. You know, I want people to make beautiful music. You know, that's important to me It's important to have people come and stay with me It's important to have nice dinners with people, you know, and all that stuff makes me happy and hopefully it makes other people happy And you know when they're in a good mood after a night of playing music, you know The next day maybe they're in a better mood and somebody that they run into on the street notices their good mood And it puts them in a good mood, you know, it's contagious in that way. You know, so little things I think can make a, a big difference, and that's kind of what I've been working on recently. You know, those kind of changes, and I don't know. I, I think a lot. I'm sorry, there's a lot of stuff going <laughs> no, on in my head great. as I so I, I go off on these yeah, tangents yeah, yeah. and I forget what I was talking about. No, it's wonderful.
1: I mean, it's, it sounds like a more mature perspective than
0: yeah, like maybe yeah. this grand, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it it does definitely have to do with um, a certain level of maturity, but you know, it's, it's amazing just like wisdom, you know, and like, again, we were talking about that the other night, you know, the difference between like wisdom and knowledge, you know, just like experiencing and, you know, the stuff that you hear all the time, you know, older people saying to you and you're like, yeah, like I know that's probably true, but then you go through something in your own life and then it just clicks, you know, that, that, that wisdom just kind of comes to you and you're like oh man like i understood it before but like now it's internalized you know now yes i get it and i think that's what um i mean everybody gets that as they they get older but it just it's amazing to me how profound some of these very simple things can be once you do internalize them yeah you know all right as much
1: as i want to keep going and keep picking your brain (laughs) he's <laughs> running out And I have, I'm like late for a, Really late for a meeting Oh shit sure. Yeah no, no problem um, Let's see Where For whoever's listening Like if they were on Wanted to look at your Your work mm-hmm. What's the best spot Like best way to uh,
0: Probably my website Or Facebook um, bar, What is it <laughs> Chris Barnett Dot com Which is spelled Yeah yeah K-R-I-S B-A-R-N-E-T-T Guitars Dot com all right google. there's there's photos on there, <laughs> and you can just like google it, yeah as well. yeah right. if you' so Chris if Barnett you're, guitar would
1: you would be like the first result basically.
0: uh yeah, yeah, yeah probably, cool. maybe not with a C, but yeah, probably with, with a, a k, k. Yeah. Right, yeah right
1: awesome Instagram uh, uh yeah,
0: yeah, I honestly don't even know what my account is though, uh maybe Barnett guitars that would be most likely, um, yeah.
1: I mean, people get look it up, the people look it up on Google.
0: And yeah. Up, yeah. Up, up, up. yeah. And then Facebook, Chris Barnett, I think. I yeah. don't know. Um, LinkedIn. Um, I don't have any games. of those actually. Stupid. I'm actually a very poor businessman. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, cause people are like, Oh, you have a car. And I'm like, shit. No, I don't. Well, no, 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 no one uses cards anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't true. Anymore. Yeah. Um, and I end up like not, not
1: emailing people when I get yeah. the cards. Oh anyway. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah
1: Anyway, it's been a pleasure. It's been a great hour of. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for my disorganization too. Like I, I know, said, there's great. always
0: like a million things in my I mind. Love, and I love long trailing conversations <laughs> and tangents. Well, I just want to say it's um, been wonderful getting to know you and yeah, spending time yeah, yeah. with you here in Berlin. And like, yeah. um, I'm Likewise. I'm excited about you moving here. The yeah, life like files. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so I, just got, I got to
1: work on my German. I got to lay out, um, save up more money, and then just like.
0: Just, just do it man you, 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 you will not regret it
1: yeah absolutely and that was the abrupt end to my conversation with Chris unfortunately I did have to run out early because um, I had another meeting that day and I uh, sucked at scheduling um, anyway uh, if you want to see Chris's classical guitars, also, he had just started making um, electrics. Uh I tried one of his SGs, and it was excellent. Um, his website is www.chrisbarnettguitars.com. It's spelled K-R-I-S-B-A-R-N-E-T-T, guitars.com. You probably know how to spell guitars. And on Instagram, he is barnettguitars. And... He also has These guitar supports um, BarnettGuitarsupports.com And basically You can google him And find all his stuff Um, For Next week I don't know Who I'm interviewing yet I have no one lined up So far Probably someone here in Manila Um, We'll see I just have to Find a way to Slip that into my schedule And thanks for listening to this week's episode. Um, Hope it was entertaining or insightful or, or at least has kept you from dying of boredom. Until next time, this is Miguel and this was Meet Your Makers.